0: Before we get into today's chat, we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. As always, we pay our respects to their elders, past and present.
1: Paul was sitting there and I came out of the bathroom and I said, I'm pregnant. It wasn't even like, hooray, or oh oh my God. It was like, are you for real? What? You've got a new (laughs) job tomorrow. Utter shock. We just booked that holiday that's non refundable. (laughs) I need to get my budget out.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, wellbeing, kids, and culture. This is not a how to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. We'd like to say a big thank you to today's wonderful episode sponsor, Bear Mum, and their beautiful range of birth recovery and breastfeeding essentials.
2: Hi, Kate.
0: Hi, Soph. <laughs> Welcome back. I still can't believe we're in season four. It's been a minute, right? It has been a couple of months. I'm now heavily pregnant, trying to get myself in some sort of headspace to give birth, whichever way that may be. You look great. How are you feeling? I have had like the most intense hot flushes and like sweats today. I don't know what it is. It's oh, gross. Glad. It's like not even hot. Like it's a bit muggy, yeah. but like I've just been like sweaty and ugh, sticky and yuck. And I feel like that's kind of in this pregnancy a little bit. I didn't I don't remember really feeling that when I was pregnant with my first two. Do you feel like it's just because you're getting bigger, or has it been throughout the whole pregnancy? It's kind of been like on and off throughout the whole pregnancy. Did we talk about the gender? No, no still, we sorry? haven't. I just realised yeah. that as I said, my <laughs> first two pregnancies, but are you yes. gonna spill? Gonna yeah, spill the tea. Okay, I'll spill the tea. I'm having a boy. <laughs> as I wear pink and I'm a mum of two little girls, not that I everything know. in our life is pink, but you know. A
2: lot of it is though. A lot of it is. So much. I can't wait to see you know, you chat. Not that, you know, your little boy can't wear pink. He certainly can, but. Um, Why can't he? I can't wait to see you like transition into a boy mum as well.
0: <sighs> a soccer mum. That's so gender specific. Can I just say like I'm not going to just assume he's going to play soccer. But Yeah, you know.
2: Nina will probably be some like pro surfer or pro soccer <laughs> star or something <laughs> and your little boy will be like a little piano player or something, <laughs> a dancer. <laughs> Who knows? You never know. But I'm pumped that you're having a boy because obviously I've got a little boy too and I just think it's nice for little boys to have mates, you know, so they can kind of rough and tumble together. <laughs> From my experience, again, obviously each child is very individual, and it doesn't matter the gender for what they do and who they Mm. become. But it's just very instinctive for babies to kind of lean towards certain things. You know, like little girls like to play dolls and they like to be nurturing and and sort of naturally mothering tea parties. Yeah, and boys are like quite active and get into things and accident prone. And Mm. that's my been my experience so far. Anyway, so our little boys can run amok together, and
0: well, soon I'll soon know, eh.
2: Yes, you'll soon find out. So exciting. But that's what I was going to say. Maybe you're getting the sweats.
0: Well, I was nearly going to say that and then I just decided, hang on, am I going to share the sex? And then he said, have I? And then I just splurted the beans. So I was going to say, I don't really remember experiencing it that much mm. with those two, unless I've just forgotten, which there is a fair chance I have. But mm. no, I've really noticed it as like a big thing on and off throughout this pregnancy. So... Anyway, it could be because I'm having a boy.
2: Mm, could be. You'll never know. <laughs> Ugh, it's taking me back to my like postpartum sweats.
0: It's giving me a rash. Yeah. <laughs> boys. <laughs> anyway, enough about my sweaty condition because who yeah. really wants to hear about that. <laughs> what do we have in common? Oh, good one. That um, could have been it. Babe, I'm not sweaty. Not a sweaty no, mess like no. you. But, no, but I mean, it is I mean, taking me back I mean, to my- Having um, boys. Oh, I have <laughs> <laughs> Sweaty mess. Sure, sure. As if you weren't a sweaty mess now. Oh, a hot mess.
2: What have we got in common?
0: Do you have to make lunch for honey to go to Kinder?
2: No, thank God. <sighs> what? Her Kinder is like a childcare as well, and they provide all meals. It's amazing. Hers is a Steiner childcare and kindergarten, so maybe that's more of a Steiner thing to provide all the meals.
0: I think childcare do provide meals, but I didn't know. Yeah, normal
2: child cares, but I don't know about kinder. Yeah. Anyway, I don't and it's amazing that I don't.
0: I have to do lunch and brain food, they call it. And Mm. obviously I do that for Nina, who's also in school. So I'm doing two lunches, two brain foods. So you always have to make sure you have the fridge and the cupboard stocked. You go through everything so quickly. Yeah. Um, But it is very fitting for our guest today.
2: Yeah, I love her um, little lunch box updates that she always does on her gram. We have been wanting to speak to this guest for quite some time. Part of the reason why we wanted to talk to her today is because she has this huge social media following and this huge online community. And community is like one of these things that, you know, you and I have been kind of talking about and exploring what the hell that even means, especially through parenthood and motherhood, mm. because it is so important, I personally feel, to connect with people and to talk to people about your experiences. It's the best way to,
0: and to be able learn to share some things with other people and relate yeah. to other people. And-, mm. and we were just
2: kind of fascinated by what an online community can provide because it's such a modern thing. You're not physically getting together and having that physical. Connection, so we were really fascinated to talk to our guest. You going to say who she is, babe? <laughs> Adele Barbro. First and foremost, I just want to say she's such a legend. She was the nicest, kindest, most down-to-earth person. She gave us
0: so much time too, like so she's much, super time. busy, and has a lot going on. And we could have just kept chatting for hours. And we often say that about guests, but we did talk for quite a long time. And I was loving every part of the combo. She's a Melbourne-based mum and
2: entrepreneur. She started a blog some years ago and began sharing her really raw and honest experiences with fertility, pregnancy, life with her baby and so much more.
0: She then left the, I guess you could call the traditional workforce, I think in around 2019, to spend more time with her kids, Harvey and Chloe, and, you know, her social following was really building organically and she now has a huge following a widely successful beverage company and two beautiful kids in tow. We think that you'll all find something to relate to, hopefully laugh about and definitely take away from this chat. Here she is. Adele, a big warm welcome to Talking In Common. Thank you,
2: Kate and Sophie for having me on the podcast. I feel like I know you because I follow you on on the
1: gram. Do you get that a lot? Yes, I even get it from my friends. We'll catch up and there'll be no questions because they know everything I've been up to. So, at the end of the, at the end yeah. of the lunch or something, I'll be like, I'm good though. I, they're like, we know. Yeah, thanks for asking, guys.
0: I was saying to Soph, actually this morning before we were recording, that I often see you on your Instagram stories preparing your kids' school lunches and I yeah. do the same. I do it all the night before. Well, yeah. most days when all goes to plan and Anyway, I was saying to her, no matter how organised I am with that, it is always still a mad rush in the morning. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm mainly organised, so I have everything ready to go at the front door. So the kids literally just roll down the stairs into their school uniform, into breakfast, and then out the door. And uh, I've got it down to a fine art. And most so mornings, good. it's fine. Just depends if there's a meltdown or something.
2: Yeah, there's always a variable in there, isn't there? It doesn't, have, always doesn't matter something. how organised you are. So we know you as Adele Barbaro, you know, from social media, from Instagram, and you are one of the OG mummy bloggers or mum influencers or whatever you like to call it. How do you feel about that name, Influencer? I
1: hate it. Yeah, yeah I thought <laughs> oh, you might say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's not what I set out to be to do. And if you'd asked me, you know, eight years ago, if I could see myself being an influence at the age of 40, no, I absolutely not. When I started mm. the blog, it was a bit of a diary and it was more to share with my family what was happening interstate because they live in New South Wales and I'm in, in Victoria and just started sharing a little bit of, you know, the highs and lows of motherhood on there and just a little bit of what we we're up to really. And it just happened. It was never the plan. So, we could sit here and tell our audience what we know
2: of you, but we'd love you to tell us what you would like people to know about who you are.
1: I feel like I've had so many lives, so I'll try and keep it short. But I left New South Wales to travel when I was about mid 20s, and I ended up doing a Kentucky tour. Absolutely loved it, fell in love with travel. I applied to be a tour manager. I went all around Europe. I've been to over 50 countries now, but while I was over there, I was aiming to meet this Italian. I'd had this dream since I was little that I would marry this Italian man and, <laughs> and live in Italy and it would be magical. <laughs> Turns out I met a Melbourne guy with Italian heritage and I knew he was it. I think when you're know your late 20s and I wasn't looking and he wasn't looking, I just knew he was it. We dated for a couple of weeks and I moved in a couple of weeks later. So the rest is history. I um, obviously started back in travel again. I, I was working as a travel agent and then I moved into business travel and then I became in business development. And then my last role in the workforce was working for Janine Alice, the founder of Boost Juice, as her PA. And a lot of that involves her travel and the management of her brand rather than Boost Juice. And that's when it all really started.
0: So, while we're kind of back in time a little bit, we do want to dive sort of straight into motherhood because obviously that has played a huge role in sort of where you are today with your career and all the amazing things that you've done. You know, so you met Paul and then eventually you guys decided to start a family together. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of what that journey was like for you? And I guess just about that time of you kind of going, okay, like, let's give it a go.
1: I think growing up, I always envisaged the white picket fence, you know, the dog and you get married and then you have, have a baby and it's it, that's just the way it, it is. But it wasn't that easy for us. Rewinding back to my teens, I had endometriosis and I had multiple operations for that. And then I ended up on a birth control called Implanol and that was popped into my arm and all my mm. um, periods went away for three years. It was bliss. And all of the symptoms of endometriosis that came with it as well was gone. And when that expired, I took it out and I popped it into the other arm. So for another three years. So what I didn't realize that during that time of bliss, there was actually some problems. So because of the operations that I'd had for endometriosis, it had done significant damage to the lining of my endometrium, my uterus. And the scar tissue was going to prevent me from having child naturally. But I didn't know that at the time. So out came the implant. We got married, we started trying and it just wasn't happening. And after about, I think it was about six months, we just got the inkling that something wasn't right. So we both went and got checked out. And that's when I realized that the infertility was mine. And we tried lots of other interventions before going down the IVF route. And they just weren't working, and our fertility specialist was very honest with me, and she just said, instead of just diving straight into IVF, which you know many will want you to do, she said, "We'll, we'll give it everything that we, we've got." And she tried things that were, you know, not so common as well. Anyway, we decided that we'd give IVF a go, and in fact, I had to have the operation that got me into trouble in the first place before we did IVF. So we went in, hmm. we did a curette removed all the scar tissue that was in there and then did IVF straight after it. So it was almost as if they were trying to do the implant while I was healing and it worked. Before when we were trying, it was trying to grow a plant in clay. At this point, it was then trying to attach while that area was healing and First time, we were so lucky that we were successful. We were one of the lucky ones.
2: How long was that process from deciding that you wanted to have a baby to actually having the baby? You said it was like six months of...
1: It was actually longer than that. We started trying before we got married, about a month or two. So it was a bit over a year of trying, mm. I think I felt quite desperate when I realised that the problem was me and a good six months of that, I felt very desperate. I always wanted to be a mother and it was some mm. really, really tough times mm. and, you know, not just for me as well but for my partner, although women mm. have got a lot of support around that, especially, you know, they've got their best friends and they've got their mums and everything like that. The men often just keep to themselves about those sorts of things, especially with fertility. So for six months, you know, he was supporting me a lot while going through his own stuff too. So, but it took us by surprise that we were able to be successful that first time with IVF because I know a lot of people will go through rounds and rounds for that to happen. But the way that we went about it was a little bit different as well and something quite unique and it worked. And did you enjoy the pregnancy? It was with your son, Harvey? I mostly did. I was more nervous though. Because we'd worked so hard to have him, mm. I was forever concerned that he might not stay around. I remember I had a mm. private obstetrician, and any time I felt like there was something abnormal, I'd be at the office and I'd get a scan or just make things were make sure things were okay. I considered getting a Doppler, I think they're called, at one point just to see if there was heartbeats and things like that. Although I was excited and absolutely over the moon that we were pregnant i was just so concerned that it wouldn't stay up until the very end when i really started to get excited and planned this exactly like i was talking before about you know you imagine this white picket fence and the dog and the, the, the you get married and you have the baby and everything's beautiful as the labor approached i had this vision of a magical labor as well and i had this expectation that it would be calm with beautiful music and I wouldn't need the drugs and all those sorts of things. And I'd stay at home as long as I can. And that didn't happen either.
2: You've talked quite openly about the struggles with conception and then also the birth and how you felt like you'd failed a lot. Can you talk us through that a little bit? And then also on top of that, then going again for another baby, you know, at what point after feeling so underwhelmed or like you've been failing. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, how do you then bring yourself to want to go again?
1: Yeah, so what actually happened with Harvey is we went for our final checkup approaching that sort of 39-week mark and I had low amniotic fluid and they said, we have to get Mm -hmm. you straight in. So all of a sudden, I thought Mm. I had a week or two to go, but I was packing my bag and going to the hospital and being induced because it's quite dangerous. So I wasn't ready to go for that, but off I went and induced Mm. was not something that I wanted to do. I envisaged that it would happen naturally and stay at home and all those sorts of things, but off I went and I knew that the safety of Harvey was the most important thing but when i was induced and i'm not remembering the terms of all of the things at the moment but you know everything was turned up to full they had broken my waters they had induced me slowly and gradually but i wasn't progressing mm. and i think that this went on for about mm. 17 hours and although i was oh showing my God. That- and the contractions come on pretty hard and fast but the thing is i felt nothing It was very, very unusual. I felt nothing and I wasn't responding to it. And although everything was showing that I should be, nothing was happening. They would come in, they say, are you feeling anything? It looks like you are having the contractions. And I said, I feel nothing. And they kept doing checks Mm -hmm. and I was only sort of sitting at two centimetres and it wasn't making a lot of sense. And Harvey was getting distressed I was getting distressed and I was trying everything. I was bouncing. I was walking around. I was doing everything that I possibly could to bring on labor and it didn't happen. And they said, we're going to have to take him in for an emergency cesarean because he's really starting to struggle now. So my voice is shaking now, even going back to that. I just felt like I was just failing mm. at all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Paul and I were often having this cesarean which I'd never, ever envisaged. And there I was. So I remember I got to meet Harvey, but then I was taken away and arrested. And when I woke up, I was in the room and my mum was there and Harvey was there. And they'd already spent about an hour with Harvey. And I didn't even realise I hadn't. And then I got to meet him and everything like that. But it wasn't a great start because I just felt like I'd really failed. And then the drugs exacerbated everything as well. I felt out of body, didn't feel like me, and not what I imagined in this first meeting of my baby. The months ahead weren't that easy as well. So I definitely had a level of depression after that, and I've never known if that was a bit of what a lot of mothers get or if it was just something that I was going through. But I struggled with Harvey with sleeping, with colic, with feeding. I felt like I was struggling at all of it. And I'll never forget my husband traveled to go overseas at about the four-month mark. And I was broken, absolutely broken. I was sleep deprived. I was still getting around the fact that things weren't what I envisaged. I ended up going to a mother and baby unit. I went there to get help with sleep first and foremost, but also with breastfeeding as well. But I was very firm about the fact that I didn't want to do any sleep training and nothing against people that do. I just didn't want to do that form for me. And where I went, they assured me that that's not the, the way that they went down. They wanted to give you tips and tricks and to help you out and help you through that mm-hmm. process. But also the breastfeeding would take almost an hour. So it felt like at night I would get up and I'd breastfeed and it would be such a long process and then you do the change at the start and then the feed and then you do the change at the end you put them mm. down and it felt like I was getting about 15 minutes sleep each time and then he was a catnapper during the day so I'd literally have 31 minutes and I remember because it would get to about 31 minutes and I'd go in and I'd tap him and try and get him through to the next sleep cycle it would never work so I had nothing left to give But I felt like when I was checking into this mother and baby unit, I had Paul overseas and I was on my own and I was too proud to ask for help, but I was breaking. Mm. So I went to the mother and baby unit feeling like I was checking into the big failed mums club. But when Mm. I went in there, I actually realized that I was surrounded by mums just like me, just needing Mm. a little bit of help. And I got that in there. It was a great decision and I knew I could leave at any point that it wasn't good for me but miraculously and I don't know how it happened but on the first night that I went there Harvey slept through the night and I did too of course he did (laughs) so the next morning I woke up I was like hold on a second and I went up to the nurse and she said she's still he's still asleep so what do you mean? This has never oh happened. God. And I thought that you're they lying be- to me. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought. I said, "Are you sure that no one tended to him in the night?" Nope, he's asleep. And I got to look through, and there's Harvey sleeping. I was like, "Are you for real?" Um, anyway, what- <laughs> yeah, were you pissed at- off? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the real Harvey. Anyway, it was just so beautiful. So not only was I surrounded with mums just like me and all different types of mums. Professional mums stay at home mums, but all wanting the same thing is the best for their kids and being looked after by mums. Mm. It just felt so beautiful and then I went back to work when he was seven months old, and I needed to financially and I remember dropping him off and the guilt and going to work and knowing that I was just leaving my little bub there that I tried so hard to have, and I was mm. in a very toxic workplace and They didn't recognize that I was a new mother. They didn't give me any flexibility coming back to work and it was very difficult to be there and know that I was missing out on incredibly important time with him that I tried so hard to have. Anyway, after a few months of being there, we wanted to have another baby as well and we wanted to go down the IVF route, but he said, I think it's probably best that we put that on hold and You find a workplace that you love and a job that you love and stay there for a while and get in a really good frame of mind before we try again. And I completely agreed. It didn't make sense to be so low and go through that whole process again. So I resigned Hmm. from my job and I got another one, which was the best role I've ever had in my working career. As I mentioned before with Janine as her PA, she gave me 150% flexibility and in return I gave her the same. But what actually happened was I resigned, I left my job and I was about to start with Janine and it was the Sunday before the Monday of the first day and I woke up and I thought, oh, my boobs are a bit sore and I didn't mention anything to Paul wow. and can't. Can't be. So I went and did a test, and I'll never forget. Paul was sitting there feeding Harvey, and I came out of the bathroom and I said, "Oh, I'm pregnant." It wasn't even like, "Hooray!" or "Oh oh my god!" It was like, "Are you for real? What? You've got a new (laughs) job tomorrow." Utter shock. We just booked that (laughs) holiday in four months. it's (laughs) non-refundable i need to get my budget out i'll never forget him saying i need to get my (laughs) my budget out my spreadsheet oh my god (laughs) and this is in the first two minutes and then we sat there and we went this was not the plan but this is amazing i'll never forget i imagined janine alice this woman from shark tank i just imagined having to tell her because I sat in the interview as well and I said, I've got a young son and it might look like I'm going to go and get pregnant with another one soon, but I'm not. And it's not the plan. We did IVF to have Harvey. So don't think there's going to be any surprises straight away. I actually said that in the interview because my (laughs) plan was to be with her for at least a year before I started trying and then go back into that process again and then be there through the whole pregnancy and then You know, do the right thing by the employer.
0: Universe had other plans for you though.
1: Well, it did. I actually ended up telling her before I told my mother. As soon as we knew that there was a heartbeat, I said, can I have a moment with you? I let her know and I wasn't sure what I was going to get but I had sat on that for six or seven weeks just waiting to tell her to do the right thing by her. And the reaction was just nothing but this is a miracle, this is amazing, nothing but support. And she said, oh, the job's amazing. here. After this pregnancy, you take him out, leave, the job is here when you come back. And I only took six months with little Chloe, who came along as a complete a surprise. Relief. And went back and had the most amazing employer while being a mum at the same time. And it taught me a lot and I have a lot of respect for her.
0: Can I ask just quickly before we move on, did you actually live stream your second birth with your daughter Chloe? No.
1: <laughs> so, no. So oh, you
2: didn't end up doing it? I was trying to find I never, it. I, was like, I, I never <laughs> was going to do
1: it. So what actually happened was I said that I would give updates. during the labor on how it goes because labor is a roller coaster. And after Harvey, I learned so much that expectations lead to disappointment. And I wanted to show people on this second time Mm. around Mm. that I was aiming to have a vaginal birth after a cesarean, but it might not work out. And there was no pressure on myself to do that. I wanted to give all these updates. Anyway, I think the Daily Mail caught on or something like that. And then all of a sudden this woman from Melbourne – was live streaming her birth and I'll never forget I, I was oh on the my God, project so and I was on Sunrise saying no that's not what I'm doing but I am giving updates so I just went on yeah. a tangent with that one. Imagine a child coming like with a GoPro on their head. Yeah yeah yeah
2: <laughs> we were laughing because when I had my most recent baby Kate was like having this big joke, like, oh, because we have a podcast, she was like, we should live stream your birth. And we're like, oh, yeah. It's
0: like, all we talk, but we talk <laughs> about this stuff all the time. I was like, come on, let's do it let's now do that it. I'm pregnant. So it's like, all right. Are you considering it,
1: Kate? No way.
2: (laughs) If we can convince her, Adele, if we can convince her.
1: No way. I think what happens in in there should stay in there, definitely. Uh, But I did give updates because, again, it didn't go to plan. But, again, put too much pressure on myself. I wanted to have this vaginal birth after a cesarean and, you know, to feel like I'd done it and, again, didn't go to plan. So I was, again, induced the exact same thing happened. My body just doesn't seem to react to it and went through exactly the same Mm. thing. So I thought, here we go, I'm going to end up in the exact same scenario with Harvey. I remember feeling very, very frustrated. I was sort of sitting at that two centimetre, three centimetre and going, it's going to happen again. And then the obstetrician had a look and said, actually, we've just noticed that only the, is it the four waters, the, the, the waters at the front had broken, but not the back? So but this had gone on for ages and really frustrated. They just did a quick check and went, actually, the waters aren't completely broken. We'll do that now and we'll see what happens. And I remember Paul going, I'll go and give your mum and dad an update because they're obviously really anxious. And he broke my waters and and Paul left. He came back five minutes later and I'd gone from zero to ten. And I was – screaming. I was hanging off the neck of my obstetrician beside myself because I was pumped full of everything to induce me up to completely full. So I literally went from zero to full blown and it was horrific. I wasn't prepared at all for it. And the contractions were so full on and so close together that I was getting a tiny little moment between each one to say, I don't think things are right here. And I was in just complete panic. Anyway, I ended up getting an epidural, but they had to call that person in. I had to wait. I think it was an hour for them to come in to give me the epidural. And I'd been through so much in that short amount of time that they gave me it. And I went to sleep. Anyway, um, I was asleep and then the next minute uh, I was woken up and told to start pushing that Chloe was ready and I pushed and out she came. Now, I did have the V back and I thought that I would feel strong and incredible for have doing that, but I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. It was a big amount of pressure I'd put on myself, and nothing mattered more except that I had Chloe there. And it was a non-event for me. I got home and it was like I'd never thought about it since. We can put these expectations on ourselves, but they really do lead to disappointment with childbirth. Like not that I'm having a third, but if I was to go into it, I'd have no plan. And all that matters Mm. in the end is a healthy baby and mum. It's so good that you share, like you
0: shared all of that and you continue to share that stuff because as you said, like we all put such unreal expectations on ourselves and a lot of those expectations kind of come from what the outside, like society is kind of telling us how it should be. You know, we should breastfeed and we should have a vaginal birth and we should do all these things. And then, as you said, a lot of things don't go to plan and then we're left feeling like a failure or that we haven't done the right thing. And it's really shit.
2: <laughs> I think you sharing it as well, Adele, would be so healing for so many people to listen to your story, people that have gone through a similar thing. I literally was having dinner with some friends the other night and one of my friends had an extremely similar story to what you described with Harvey she had this plan. She was going to do it naturally. Exactly the same thing. Looked around the room like, it's not going to be me that has the Caesar. Like, you know, I've got this. She's very maternal. She's great with babies. She was so ready. You know, she enjoyed her pregnancy, all the things. And then, you know, there were some complications right towards the end. She persisted in saying that she wanted to have a natural birth and it ended up in an emergency Caesar. And she was very much like you, just like, grieved the fact that she had lost what she thought she was going to have and what she hoped and really struggled with that. And she just says now, nah, like she was just saying, still now, I just still I feel so naive and mm. um, disappointed and um, but mostly naive, you know. She was like, even though doctors were telling me, this might not go to your plan. She was like, I just didn't listen to it. Like I wasn't sort of educated enough to actually understand that that's how it could end up. I just thought this is how it was going to be and that was not how it was. So I feel like it's a really common thing that women go through.
1: So, so common and there's not a lot of support around that. So when I shared it online and when I was sharing both the journey of Harvey when the blog was just in its infancy, and then later Chloe, there were so many women that were relating to it and just saying, I feel every bit of this. But not only that, it was extremely therapeutic for me because it was like therapy for me. It was. was Sharing it and being able to write it and put it out there and have so many women coming back and going, this is exactly how I felt. Or I'm going through this, or this has been so helpful for me. And to know that I was actually helping people by sharing my journey as well, it made it all worthwhile.
2: Even just listening to you talk about your struggles with sleep and colic and all that stuff, like I was just getting chills because I was feeling you so deeply. I've got a nine month old who was very different to my first child. Um, in terms of feeding and and sleeping and settling and all that sort of stuff. And I literally didn't get longer than three hours sleep for six or seven months. I was broken. I was Mm. so didn't want to sleep train. I was like against it. All I wanted to do was just make it right and just hope that it was going to get better. And it just didn't. And it was the roughest six or seven months. And much like you, I finally got some support some advice I did a bit of sleep settling with him and you know within two days he was sleeping through the night and I was just like fuck me (laughs) like yeah what have I been doing all this time (laughs) like why am I holding my pride in front of just you know surviving and trying to thrive through this right rather than like putting my pride first of how I do this and
1: I couldn't relate to that more and so many women are too proud to put their hand up and go, I'm not coping, I need help. But not just that. These days, Mm. communities are a lot different. Mm. We don't always have as much family around as we used to growing up. You know, the neighbourhood and people often talk about, you know, the village, Mm. it can be quite lonely and Mm. it can be very hard at the mother's groups, even when you go along with your little one and you've had no sleep, and little Billy over there, he's doing great and he's thriving, and you're just at breaking point. It can be really hard to go, I'm not okay. So I completely resonate with that. But, you know, every baby's so different as well. With Harvey, it was just felt like all of those mm. things it was the sleeping, it was the colic, it was the feeding. With Chloe, she was the opposite. And I worried so much about Harvey and all of those sorts of things. But with Chloe, she slept through from day one at the hospital. She had to be woken mm. to be fed and she's always done that. When we got home from the hospital, she would do like 14-hour nights and she worried me so much. Oh gosh. Wow, you deserved that yeah. though. <laughs> but I worried so much about Harvey not sleeping that I worried so yeah, much. Then you're about- worrying that they're sleeping too much. Yes. So I actually took her to a pediatrician because I'm like I'm putting her to bed at 6 o'clock at night and the next day she's still asleep at 9 in the morning and I'm going in and I'm checking her and, I just, and obviously I don't want to wake a sleeping baby but she was growing, she was thriving, and she was getting all the nutrients and feeds that she needed during the day in that time and she just loved sleeping. But I just loved worrying about that. And, yeah, it was interesting how they keep you on your toes. But I just think it's very important to talk about it and to share and to know that you're not alone through any of those worries as a new mum.
2: All right, time for a quick break and let me talk about early postpartum for a minute, babe. The weeks after the birth of my first child were a shock and I was armed with nothing more than big old undies and frozen nappies for that afterbirth relief and recovery. I think I've got you to thank for that old tip of the frozen nappies. Thank you very much. I put frozen nappies down my bra. Is that what you did?
0: did that too. When your milk came in?
2: They actually work a treat, but let's say it's less than inspiring having frozen (laughs) nappies
0: down your pants down your bras. And glamorous. Not that anything's that glamorous at that time.
2: Yeah. Well, the second time around. Around, a friend gifted me the best-selling Bear mum postpartum brief with the warm and cool insert duo, and they were such a game changer. I just felt so much more put together during a time that you just do not feel put together, do not feel glamorous, like you said. And the simple, neat and tidy combo of the briefs and the cool insert was super easy to use and just a dream at that time.
0: They sound heavenly for post-birth, actually. Yes,
2: yeah, coming up for you in a matter of
0: days. Oh, my God, it is too. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Alright, the briefs also provide abdominal and pelvic floor support, which is super important post-baby, but without compression to promote healthy and natural muscle and connective tissue recovery. And so, if you and I have actually been saying to each other recently that their birth recovery kits would be such a great gift for any mum-to-be, and I cannot wait to try them post my upcoming birth.
2: Totally. You'll love them.
0: So, I will be getting on board. And if you want to learn more, check them out at baremum.com.au. All right. Now let's get back to our chat with Adele. So Adele, you have built an incredible, loyal community online and for good reason. You know, you share so much in such a relatable and open way. Take us back to kind of the beginning of this part of your life and kind of how it all began and then how it sort of got to the point that you're
1: at today. So, as I said, it was a diary that just started on Facebook. I never, ever set out to be an influencer. But what I did see is that there was, you know, there was people online that were sharing a very lovely portrait of motherhood, you know, going and meeting mums for coffees and shopping trips with their little ones and looking with their hair and makeup done. And I was at home with the mum bun and wearing the same clothes three days in a row, not able to get out of the house and I wanted to show that what you see online wasn't what motherhood really does look like for so many and yes there is stuff like little Chloe I was out and about all the time because she was sleeping I was sleeping it was fantastic but with Harvey I was broken and I wanted to share that you know I was sharing little updates with mum and everything but when I went into the mother and baby unit you know, and I started sharing about that, is when it took off. I started getting some viralness in some of the posts that I was sharing, and that was foreign to me, not expected. But started getting these big posts go around Australia, and the audience just started growing, and I just kept sharing the real and the raw and you know there were purple patches there were really great times as well but then there were really shitty times too it ended up growing to quite a large audience on Facebook and as I mentioned I thought well now I've got to do Instagram there's this new Instagram so over I went on Instagram and it started growing there and it's grown organically to be a beautiful network and community of women on there I shy a little bit away from the, the word community. I think that's thrown around a lot. I've spoken to a lot of women on there, and we've shared a lot with each other. And those that follow the blog, I spend endless hours every week speaking to people, and that's anything from infertility to eating to sleeping to all you know, all sorts of things. And I've done that since the beginning. And you know, I think that from where I am today, where the blog is partly a business as well and I've become an influencer. I really want to give back to that community. That's why I don't like the word influencer so much because although I get to work with and create content for brands like Woolworths or Body and things like that, if there's an opportunity for me on there, I'd love to think how the opportunity can translate to those that follow the blog as well. You know, I might be invited to go on a holiday by Jetstar or Big Four or something like that to showcase it to the Australian followers that I have. But I'll always say, that's great. I'd love that. But can I give one back to my followers as well? Can I give a holiday away as well? So I've always wanted to make sure that I am giving back and pride myself on that. More recently, the events, I don't know if you've seen, but I've been doing the Together events for women. To come together and have a well-deserved night off, I find that women often will, if they've got $50 in their pocket, they're spending it on their children, not themselves. And we're right at the bottom of the priority list Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And I'm still guilty of that to this day, even though my kids are both at school Mm -hmm. this year. Just before COVID hit, I did my first together event where women could come and have a well-deserved night off for free. I don't think women should have to put their hand in their pocket to be celebrated. And that's one of the big things that I wanted to do with this platform Mm. is to be able to create those. So it would have kept going if we didn't have all the lockdowns and everything like that. But now that we are um, relatively living back to normal again, I've just done three together events back-to-back in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne where nearly 800 women had a night off for free. amazing Amazing. how good how fun too oh so fun but so full-on as well so i did brisbane on the monday sydney on the tuesday wednesday was melbourne so three nights three states three cities and three events and they were so amazing and it's only driven me to take it to the next level as well so i feel Mm. very lucky to have this space on social media but it's really important to me that i'm giving back
2: it's a really nice way to sort of explain your feelings about the word community and and the community that you've built and that you want to give back because that was one of the one of the questions that we wanted to ask you you know like do you feel you're getting as much from your community as what it appears that you're giving to everyone you know if we think about the sense of the word community. its you It know, gives people a sense of belonging and it creates a sense of purpose and builds connections and all of these sort of things. But it's a weird kind of thing to have a community online when you're not actually physically connecting with people. So yep. what was it like to do the live events and actually physically connect and meet the people? Was it
1: different? I have spent a lot of time speaking with so many mothers and women online. Mm. So to put faces to names was incredible. And I'll often be out and someone will come up and Mm. I'll be like, they'll say, you know, I'm so-and-so. And we spoke three years ago about My infertility, I've since had a bub and, you know, things like that. And it's so nice to put faces to names. It's like proper goosebumps. But to go to those events, and there was over 250 women at each event, so it was big. And to be able to put those faces to names of women that I've spoken to, some women from the very beginning, like literally eight years ago, was incredible. Those events made it so worthwhile. I had the support of two sponsors, both p Cruises and Infamous Swim to make those happen, but I put in a large chunk financially myself to make those happen. It's really important to me that I could make it for as many women as possible, as mm. far as possible as well. And what I'm working on next, <laughs> fingers crossed, comes off because it's even bigger. And to be able to use my platform and my connections to make that happen, to give that to other women was great. It felt very, very satisfying.
2: Mm. Do you feel like you have a certain responsibility to your audience? You know, like maybe it's about the brands or the products um, that you're promoting or even just the topics that you're speaking on. People can interpret things the wrong way or people Mm. can be very judgy online. You know, the keyboard Mm. warriors come out when they see or hear something you don't like. Are you at a point now where you're just... I'm just sharing who I am and people can take it or leave it? Or do you have this sort of like responsibility of I should talk about this because it's important to me or or I should be cautious of saying that because of?
1: Just going back to the brand stuff, I think we all have a responsibility if we've got an online presence. It's always been very important to me that I only align myself with brands that I genuinely love and would use whether I'm working with them or not. That's always been a big firm for me. So, if something comes across my emails where there's an opportunity, I want to test the product and try the product and use it organically properly to know that it's something that I definitely align with and will continue to use after our partnership mm. together. But the majority mm. of the brands that I'm working with at the moment and creating content for are the likes of Woolworths. You know, they're wholesome home brands in Australia. And I'm really just sharing what. I'm doing as a mother, like with Easter coming up, for example, or the, a new collectible or something like that, with an audience that's doing exactly the same thing as well. Like you'll never see me hold up skinny tea or teeth whitening. It's just not me. So the brands I align with are really, really important to me. And keeping that honest credibility is really important to me as well. So I say no to... majority of things that come across my emails but yeah when it comes to being online and the things that I speak about my life's changed a lot the blogs evolved I've evolved as well I'm not just a mum I'm a businesswoman and a mum as well and and a wife and a woman and it doesn't get easier either I keep going through this funny Mm -hmm. seesaw of it gets easier But it actually doesn't get easier. It just changes. And it's a Mm. lot of things that I'm sharing these days. I have to be very respectful of my kids as well and their privacy as they're getting older and things like that as well. And I'm very, very delicate with that. But the things that I'm going through now are very, very different to when the blog started. But in saying that, you know, we were going through a lovely patch uh, a little while ago and now my little Chloe, who's five, is having night terrors and it feels like I'm back oh. at the newborn stage. I'm so sleep deprived. I haven't slept with my husband mm. for nearly two weeks. And they're very, very distressing. Another phase, which will pass, but I'm only sharing so much of that because it's a little girl that goes to school. I've got a lot of things going on with my Harvey at the moment, who's nearly eight. But again, I'll only be sharing so much of that for his own privacy. And that's really important. But one of the things you mentioned about, you know, do I go on and say what I want and don't worry about the keyboard warriors. One thing I've been very, very lucky with is that I haven't had them. I've only ever. Oh, wow. Uh, look, I remember I did it live on Instagram, a live stream, and I had someone pick on my speech. My dad is a pro, like <laughs> proper Londoner. Time it was persistent. It was it was constant through the whole life. And I was getting on, I was speaking about something that was really important to me. And this person I couldn't say my THs at the time. It's something that I've worked on as an adult because my dad, proper Londoner, they say they say free instead of three. They say free. So I've always said free. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and this person just kept picking and, and going, Is it free or is it three? Uh, every time I said it and put me off completely. And then I ended up, I, I lost it on there. Mm. I was like, I gave it to them and Money. I went, stuff it. You know, I'm giving mm. up my night right now to talk about this. And my husband's sitting inside and I, um, I'm going to go, like, done, <laughs> hang up. And then everyone mm. just came over mm. at the bye. end and they were, yeah, bye. I- I'm not here for this. Um, I don't think I've done a live since. But if I'm talking to my... The people that follow the blog and know me, they've got nothing negative to say because they know me. And although mm. I might be putting spaghetti on a tablecloth and dumping my pasta down and the, letting the kids eat with just no plates or anything like that, I don't know if you saw that Straight video. off the table. Yeah, really? so I, I did think it think it's once. actually a pretty good idea. It's a good addition. Silly viral. Those that follow me went, Adele, oh, no, that's so funny. <laughs> we love that. I'm going to try that out. Those that don't follow me and it went viral were the ones that were like, oh, my God, how disgusting. looks like your children are animals or, you know, plastic tablecloths, the environment. Mm. But those that know me know that it was a one-off and it was just a bit of fun. So that's about the only time. But I don't read the comments. So if it goes viral, I just go, okay. okay. But anyone that follows the page religiously and tunes in, everyone's terrific everyone's beautiful and if occasionally there's someone that pops over that says something everyone sort of does it for me they're like hey hold on a second you can't say that and i said they just they're very kind in that way as well so i'll jump on and i'll be like oh there's been a bit of bit of banter yeah. here about this but you do have to have a bit of thick skin because i'll never forget when i went to and i do you remember how i said i was on like the project in sunrise and everything and i was 38 weeks pregnant with chloe and apparently yeah. i was going to be live streaming and the Daily Mail had got it out there. I was reading the Daily Mail comments at 38 weeks pregnant or 36 weeks pregnant or something in a hotel room in another state by myself. And the comments were so bad. I rung my oh. husband. I was like, I can't do this. I want to come home. I can't go on the TV. I can't no, do this. And that's when I stopped yeah. reading the comments after all that because it's just not worth it.
2: I like that you preface some of your stories sometimes with like, don't come at me, mum police, you know, (laughs) like, yes, this might not be the completely right thing to do, but this is how I'm doing it. And especially in the motherhood space, people just want to tell you how you're doing things wrong, you know, yes, like, give a a mum a break.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. We're all different. And some things we're really good at. Other things that, you know, Mm. I might might make really nice lunch boxes, but I'm dreadful at the homework stuff. Shocking.
0: Oh, my God, the homework. My daughter's the same, similar age to your Harvey, my oldest daughter. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, all the the, now the nightly, different nightly homeworks that we have to do. And it's like far out.
2: It's like, let me just. Get my Google out. Yeah. We're on the recorder at the moment. The
0: recorder at the moment, and the oh, that's a lovely me. instrument, isn't it? It's so fun. <laughs> Love the recorder. Especially Love at the it. Breakfast table at oh. seven a.m. Give us a little bit of a snapshot into, I guess, a day in the life of you, Adele. Yep. Um, I'm sure it varies a lot, but what does, I guess, a typical day look like for you?
1: Okay, all over the place. At the moment in my life, I am being extremely reactive. I've got lots that I want to achieve, but I'm just finding a balance at the moment because I'm quite time poor. So I'm a little bit all over the place with big things that I want to pull off this year. But I've got a business as well. I've got an alcohol beverage business. And I'd like to just probably talk about that a little bit is – I've got obviously my blog and then I've got an alcohol beverage business, but you won't see me ever promoting alcohol on a daily basis on my blog because Mm. it's very important Mm. to me that that is a safe space and that, you know, I have a responsibility when it comes to that. So they're very separate from each other. And when I do do, you know, a new product or whatever, I'll jump on, on my space and I'll say I've, you know, created this new product but then it stays over there. You know, there's other people that have their own brands and their own businesses that are constant walking advertisements for their business on their mm. pages but I keep them very separate if that yeah. makes sense. And a lot of what goes on with Feminate Beverage Co, it's very much like a hype brand. So we bring out a product and it sells out very quickly, usually within 48, 72 hours it's gone so i'll be working behind the scenes a lot and i am right now on a product that's coming next week um but sharing nothing of it so I, I've, I've been at photo shoots i've been at the warehouse and we've, we've been to endless hours on getting this product ready to go and then all of a sudden it will come and go boom it's here and then it's gone again
0: the violet crumble martini is that going to make a
1: comeback no, Aww. it's done. And it's, it's very much limited drops and that was a feat in itself being able to work with Violet Crumble. Feminine Beverage Co. has been a lot of fun. I've collaborated with, um, first of all, DJ Havana Brown and then Abby Chatfield and then getting Violet Crumble was incredible. We have our own espresso martini and then we infused it with the flavours of Violet Crumble. So an incredible collaboration. It just sold, it broke the internet. It was just incredible, but it's done. And then then the next product's coming. It's an exciting year ahead for Femina. Um, But, yeah, it's very separate to what I do on my blog, and I don't share a lot of it. So, it's a juggle mm. between the business and what I share in this space as well as being a mother, you know, the school activities and after-school activities and wanting to volunteer. And I've got a husband that works away, as you would know, Kate, a lot. Late nights in the office, a lot. He's a very hands-on husband, but he's often travelling. So a lot of it's on me and it's a juggle, but I have learnt a lot more recently As well, I think there's so much pressure to do it all and that's everything Mm. from yummy lunchboxes to all the sports and the volunteering Mm. and the mum night catch-ups, which is one I've got tonight, which I've declined to go to. I'm getting better at saying no because I'm very much a yes person and then I overwhelm myself and I'm starting yeah, to mm, learn that relate. you have to really say no sometimes and put yourself first or you burn out. Um, so th- it is a juggle at the moment and I am a one-man band when it comes to the business and my blog, which is a business as well. I've got one employee over doing customer service with Feminade, but otherwise it's just me. So it's a lot and I, I like it that way. It's fantastic. But I'm very busy. I work during the day and then once I've done school pickup and then the the sports and yesterday it was literally <laughs> I took Chloe to dancing and then Harvey to 40 and then I went back and got Chloe from dancing and then went back and got Harvey from 40 and then I came back and tried to share a recipe last night online and then do the homework, get the kids down. Chloe's having the night terrors and then I worked till about one AM. So that's me at the moment. It's just I'm not stopping
2: brings me to the next question that we wanted to ask, which was by creating this more flexible lifestyle to spend more time with your kids (laughs) and be able to have that flexibility. Do you think it's more flexible? Like, is it easier or is it harder?
1: (laughs) So it's not a nine to five. The blog is not a nine to five. And Mm. also, you know, there's not going to work and then coming home and you don't think about work anymore and constantly think about work and I left Mm. the workforce to have that flexibility to have more time with my kids and I do have that but I'm working 10 times harder and that's okay because I know that I'm Mm. working for me and for our family and I'm showing my kids as well what it means to work Mm. and they see it and that makes me super proud but it it doesn't stop. And I'm really glad that I have that flexibility that I can go and volunteer and go to school swimming or jump on the bus and go Mm -hmm. to an excursion, but I'll work till midnight that night. And that's okay because I'm not missing out on those moments.
2: Yeah, that's so true. What about even just when you maybe have a deadline with uh, an advertisement or, you know, some content that you have to create and maybe you need the kids to be involved in that, but One of them's really tired or grumpy or whatever. or doesn't want to participate. How does that part go? I feel like that would be tricky sometimes.
1: It is tricky, but I've always been really safe when it comes to the kids being involved in the blog and what I share on there. There's a lot I don't share on there. And when it comes to, you know, ads and deadlines Mm. and things like that, it's up to them if they want to be involved. So if it comes up to a partnership that I've got on and they're not vibing being involved, that's fine. It's just me then. I'm always asking if they're happy to do it, if they're happy to be on there. Uh, and if they're not, that's I've cancelled campaigns. I've actually said, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's just not one that's going to work out because I'll never, ever, my kids aren't puppets. So if they're yeah. happy to be involved, absolutely. One of the really big things for me is they get paid. They have an income stream and when they're 18, they're going to be able to go and travel or get their first car or whatever they like with that. So it's really important to me that you know oh, if they you like are
2: share some of the absolutely. earnings from it with them.
1: Absolutely. Oh, so wow, cool. Yeah. There's one that we did with a company recently where I wasn't even involved in it. It was little Harvey reading some books oh. and that went to his bank account. That's cute. And I really pride myself on that. So they've got very healthy little bank Mm. accounts. But, yeah, Mm. there's no pressure on them. If they don't want to be involved, it's fine. And occasionally I've had to ring a brand and just say, look, this isn't working out as I would have liked. I'm not going to retake it. I'm happy to submit it as it is and do some more myself on top of that. For example, let's just say Harvey just went, no, I'm not not vibing it. I'm like, that's fine. Let's move on. There's never a pressure and it's really important to me. That's great.
2: I suppose what I, the biggest takeaway that I'm getting from you is that it's not easier, it's not less work, but the buck stops with you. So you are in control of what you do
0: and how you do it. So Adele, we could keep chatting to you all day, but we know you've got a lot on and probably a lot to get done today. So you share so much of what you do and who you are with everyone else. What is something that you like to do that's just for you?
1: Uh My absolute reset is the ocean. When I feel burnt out, I just drive to the beach, and whether that's with the kids or not, walking on the beach, it's my happy place, and being there with the family or being there by myself, there's something about it. It must be the Pisces in me, not that I'm into astrology or whatever it's called, but I love water and I love to (laughs) be by the beach. It just makes me feel so calm and yeah, sometimes, you know, if I am just running on empty, I'll prioritise that as just go to the beach for a bit, even if it's just a half an hour stroll, it's just what I need sometimes, go and throw the ball to the dog down at St Kilda and yeah, come back feeling very yeah. different. Jump in the ocean? Sometimes, <laughs> not in Melbourne very much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Kate and I were talking last night, like, you know, when we were going through the questions. And I was like, how would you answer that? Like, you know, what's your thing for you? And, you know, she was asking me the same. We're like, I don't know, it's actually quite a tricky question. (laughs) I don't know what we just do for it. But now that you say the beach, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so my thing too. Like, but I just love to just go and just jump in the ocean. I feel like it's like a total reset. It cures, you know, so
1: much. Everything. Mm. It really does. Mm. I usually go down to Mentone down here and it's not the most swimmable beach, but down at the peninsula when we go down on the weekend, I, I just, I could lay in there all day. It's beautiful. We just don't have the weather here, yeah. unfortunately. But I'm originally a Newcastle girl and that's just beach after beach after beach. So, you know, it was a lot of my childhood was spent at the beach, so it's my happy place.
2: Beautiful. Adele, thank you so much. We so appreciate your very precious time and giving some of that to us today. So thank you and um, it was just so lovely to chat to you and yeah. connect with you and relate and share. Uh, you're amazing. Keep doing what, we, what you're doing. We love it.
1: Thank you, Sophie. And so lovely to speak to you, Kate. Thank you so much for your time. That's
0: it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking in Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day. And as always, thanks for listening.